Hi, good morning, everyone. Happy Friday to you. It is Friday, the 13th of October, 2023. Daniel Pettigrew back with you for the final one of the week, broadcasting through SEN 1170 AM in Sydney, SENQ 693 AM in Brisbane, and SEN 1620 AM on the Gold Coast, 1300 01 1170, our open line number. You can text anytime 0457 736 736. And that's all before breakfast with Vossi and Brandy for listening through SEN 1170 AM in Sydney. Queensland listeners, you'll get the first hour of them. Then Patton Heels along at 6 AM local time in a couple of hours for you. A lot to get through. Not a great night in the cricket for Australia. We'll get to that in just a second and we'll have a more comprehensive wrap with our cricket expert, Paul Dennett, who will be on the line in about half an hour. He stayed up and watched the whole thing. I saw him tweeting my alarm went off about 3.40. I saw him tweeting only about 20 or 30 minutes beforehand. So he's going to be tired, but he has promised to be on the line uh, in about half an hour. So we'll have a chat with him. No EPL this weekend and the A-League still a week away, but the Socceroos are going to be in action over at Wembley. We'll have a chat with John Gallo in about 20 minutes about that and about some of the other football headlines going on in the world. Plus, we've got a lot of rugby league to get through as well as we build up to the Pacific Championship. So a lot to get through. Everest, of course, tomorrow as well. So a lot to get through over the course of the next hour. Really want to hear from you. one 1170 our open line number. Or you can text 0457 736 736. It's two past five, two past four in Queensland. The Hot Topic, thanks to Rain. Built tough for Aussie conditions. When it comes to water heating, ask your plumber to install a Rain. Yeah, except nothing less than Australia's best and install the ream, Australia's favourite hot water. Let's start with cricket. And as I say, we'll have a more comprehensive wrap with Paul a bit later on in the show. But two matches, two defeats for Australia. And this one, probably worse than the Indian one. Australia losing by 134 runs. Uh, Alex Carey was dropped before the match. Josh Inglis came in. Just quite unbelievable, the scoreline. So South Africa, from their 50 overs, they batted first, and they made seven for 311. Australia, in reply, all out of 40.5 overs for just 177. At one stage, they were about 680-odd, I think. Disappointing again. And, look, we mentioned the bowling, and a lot of the talk has been about the bowling over the past few days and that we need a second front-line spinner. But I raised concerns on Monday morning about the batting. And that's, again, been proven right. The scorecard for Australia, Mitch Marsh was out for seven. David Warner was out for 13. Steve Smith out for 19. Manus Lubbershane made 46. Josh Inglis was out for five. Glenn Maxwell was out for three. Marcus Stoinis was out for five. Mitchell Stark made 27. Pat Cummins made 22. Josh Hazelwood made two. And Adam Zampa was not out, 11. Australia all out for 177 runs of 40.5 overs, losing by 134 runs. So that's a loss to India the other day. It's a loss to South Africa overnight. And we know uh, it's going to be tough from here on in. Look, they will have some easier games, but in amongst those easier games, they're still going to play England. They're still going to play New Zealand. Um, It's just, I, I don't know what happens with Australia from now on in. As I say, we'll speak to Paul Dennett, who was in a better position to review it all, who watched the whole game. If you stayed up and watched the whole game, if you watched bits and pieces, if you've seen the highlights this morning, happy to hear from you. But this is a bad start to the World Cup for Australia. 
They will now play Sri Lanka on Monday at 7 at 30 p.m. And that won't be an easy game either. What are you thinking about this Australian cricket team? 0457 736 736 or 1300 0111 70. We know their warm-up tournaments weren't, were mixed results. They started off all right and then went downhill and then started to come good again. But two losses in a row against, yes, big nations in India and South Africa. But still, they haven't really been competitive, especially last night. What changes do we need to make? Is there many changes that we can make to get this World Cup campaign back on track before it is too late? Thoughts 0457 736 736 or 1300 01 1170. They'll need to turn things around pretty quickly against Sri Lanka on Monday. And as I say, we'll talk to Paul Dennett in about half an hour, in about, yeah, in about half an hour, 25 minutes, half an hour to discuss all the things out of that match. Happy to hear your thoughts. Also want to know, what are you going to be watching over the course of the weekend? What are we going to be talking? Give me a headline. What are we going to be talking about come Monday morning? Of course, Australia not in action in the cricket until Monday. We've got the Rugby League, the Pacific Test Championships beginning tomorrow night. We've got the in Rugby League, we've got the Super League Grand Final as well. Uh, Sunday morning around 4 a.m., 3 a.m. Queensland time. So what are you going to be watching this weekend? Are you going to the Everest? Expecting a very big crowd at Randwick, of course, tomorrow, if you're heading there. Is there something else I've missed? There's all this other sport going on as well. Uh, NBL, of course, continuing. So what are you going to be watching over the weekend? What takes precedence for you? You're going to be watching more of the Cricket World Cup, even though Australia not featuring until Monday. And what's your headline? What are we going to be? What's going to be dominating the headlines when we speak again in 72 hours' time. Love to hear from you. one 1170 or 0457 736 736. Now, 24 hours ago, we were talking about the New South Wales job and we were saying Michael Maguire was the lead candidate. John Cartwright's name was still being mentioned. Laurie Daly's name was still being mentioned. And then about, I'd say about four hours after I went off air, an hour after the breakfast show went off air when Matty White was on air. It was a big morning yesterday for Matty with the Eddie Jones news as well. Uh, Michael Maguire confirmed as New South Wales coach. So congratulations to Michael Maguire, who will take over the New South Wales gig from Brad Fittler. But Michael Maguire has also told people close to him that he is confident that he can juggle the New South Wales and New Zealand roles. But his position as an assistant coach at Canberra is set to come under pressure as he prepares to take charge of the Blues. So it looks like he will be basically confirmed, uh, Blues officials confirming late on Thursday that he was the preferred candidate to take over from Brad Fittler. But as we mentioned, only on a 12-month contract. So lots of pressure. Now, being a state of origin coach, there'll be pressure from the get-go regardless. But it will be a lot of pressure only on a 12-month contract. Um, now, it would be very interesting. It would be basically unheard of for Maguire to take care of New South Wales and New Zealand. And, of course, he's in charge of New Zealand this weekend. Well, not this weekend. They're not in action this weekend. But the Pacific Test Championships. And then he will move on to focusing on New South Wales. He has a contract with New Zealand Rugby League until the end of 2025. The New Zealand Rugby League Chief Executive Greg Peters was unable to be contacted yesterday but he has previously been an outspoken supporter of Maguire, hailing his work after the Kiwis were eliminated from last year's World Cup. Now, amid talk that the decision to coach the Blues would make Maguire's position with the Kiwis untenable, uh, Matty Johns, who will be on this morning with Morning Glory, 
uh, said, I don't have a problem with it. I've got no doubt that the workload and the preparation will be water off a duck's back for Madge. It won't worry him. I don't know how the New South Wales Rugby League or Kiwis feel about it, but I don't have a problem with it because he's not a full-time coach at club level. So there you go. But it looks like potentially his assistant coaching role at Canberra will go by, by the wayside. Uh, obviously, they do have options. Canberra, Paul McGregor has only just turned down a position at North Queensland, meaning he is free to explore his options. Dave Furness, we know, has left the Tigers. It's understood Maguire spoke to Canberra officials on Wednesday night about the prospect of taking on the New South Wales job. New South Wales fans, are you happy? Michael Maguire? head coach of New South Wales, at least for next year. We know he won a competition back in 2014 with the South Sydney Rabbitohs. Uh, didn't have the greatest time at the West Tigers, but he wouldn't be the only one. So do you think it's a good appointment? Look, uh, and it does seem as well that he's going to get John Cartwright as assistant coach. So I think that's a pretty good pairing himself, John Cartwright, no doubt. There'll be more joining the coaching staff as the days and weeks and months unfold as we build towards next year's State of Origin series. You happy with Michael Maguire as coach? Look, I, I don't think it's a bad choice. Um, premiership winning coach. Um, we know he's still involved in the game, has had varying degree of success with New Zealand. I don't mind it at all. But what do you reckon? 0457 736 736 or 1300 01 Would you have gone someone else? Would you have gone John Cartwright? Would you have gone Laurie Daly, Jeff Toovey maybe? Or do you think they've picked the right man in Michael Maguire to lead New South Wales? to next year's State of Origin series. As I say, though, only a 12-month contract. So not a long contract, but it will be interesting to see. And look, and the other thing, I suppose, is do you actually think he can coach New South Wales and New Zealand? It would have been, it's unheard of for a coach to coach both New South Wales and New Zealand. But I suppose I would say that they're at very different times of the year. New Zealand nine times out of 10, 99% of the time is at the back end of the season. We don't really see mid-year tests between Australia and New Zealand anymore. So, and that usually wraps up by, what, November? The final of the Pacific Test Championships is, I think, about the 5th of November. The only time it would probably go longer would be if it was a World Cup. Um, and even then, the final of that uh, last year, I think, was mid-November, what, 19th, 20th of November, so it wouldn't really impact his job with New South Wales, especially if it's all post-season. Do you see a conflict of interest there? Obviously, if he was coaching New Zealand, he'd be coaching against Australia and coaching against a portion of players who'd be coaching for New South Wales. Any issue with Michael Maguire coaching both New South Wales and New Zealand? Well, no issue with it. 0457 736 736 or 1300 01 We'll get to some news about Josh Adokar and we'll get to the Eddie Jones stuff in just a second. Just one other thing as well uh, in terms of International Rugby League. Uh, and I know Vossi and Brandy were talking about this on SEN 1170 breakfast through Sydney yesterday about the rules around committing to play for your country. Um, and we've seen it a lot. And this was off the back of the story that came out yesterday about Payne Haas will be playing for Australia in this year's Pacific Chess Championships. But has already said he wouldn't mind playing for Samoa has played two games for Australia in the past back in 2019. And now Australian coach Mel Meninga has called for an overhaul of the test eligibility rules that would see NRL stars banned from switching between nations. 
Meninga wants international dual, dual eligibility scrapped to finally put an end to NRL players changing nationals teams ahead of Saturday's test between Australia and Samoa in Townsville. Um, Meninga has had enough of the transit lounge. He said, I don't believe guys should be able to go back and forth between countries. What I would like to see um, is that every player nominates which country they want to play uh, for right from their first registration in the NRL. That way, there is no confusion around who they are eligible for. When they make the NRL and they have to make a tough decision on test football, they have to make one call. So under the current rules, players have the opportunity to switch uh, countries between Tier 1 and Tier 2 nations. Australia, England and New Zealand have Tier 1 status, while the likes of Tonga, Samoa, Fiji, France and Papua New Guinea occupy the second tier. That's even after Samoa did make the final last year in the World Cup. What do you reckon? Now, do you agree, do you agree with Mel Meninga? Oh, look, I think it is a bit silly. Um, and Vossi made mention of this yesterday in the case of Josh Wong or Siwa Wong, who's a Roosters player, played for Fiji last year in last year's Rugby League World Cup and now is playing for Tonga this year. No issue with them representing their heritage, of course, but I think they do need to make a choice, especially if we do want to grow the game, the international game further, which it seems like they're planning to do uh, with basically tests locked in right up until the World Cup, which has been pushed back a year until 2026. Should we have an overhaul? Should players just lock in one country and say, that's it? one three hundred oh one eleven seventy or oh four five seven seven three six seven three six. Now Josh just on Josh Adokar as well, there's been a bit of news around about him over the past twenty four forty eight hours. He has launched an appeal over the punishment which ruled him out of Australia's specific uh, championships campaign as he prepares to meet with Bulldogs officials today. It is understood Adokar was slapped with a two-game ban and he was also fined following a fight during the Koori knockout earlier this month. Now, regardless of the outcome of the appeal, Adokar probably wouldn't be back into the Australian side anyway because they're only going to be playing a maximum of three games during this series. Adokar's future at the Bulldogs has also come under question in recent days. Rival clubs are aware but the Bulldogs would be reluctant to let the flyer go, given his popularity among the Canterbury faithful. His management will meet with Bulldogs officials today to potentially clear the air. So that will be very interesting to see. Uh, he's been good for the Bulldogs. Uh, we know he's had a couple of issues off the field over the past couple of weeks. I'm sure there'll be a lot of clubs lining up to sign Josh Adokar. He's actually only, but still only about 25, 26. So still has a lot of good football in front of him. Would you, if you were... CEO or coach, would you like to see Josh Adokar at your club? one 736 And one other, this was another story that broke yesterday morning, Eddie Jones. Um, and we know this story has been around over the past couple of weeks. Uh, the Wallabies failing to make the quarterfinals of the World Cup. And it now seems like Eddie Jones is going to go to, rug uh, to, go to Japan. Although Rugby Australia have denied that. So we're not entirely sure where this all stands. Uh, it is understood that Jones and Kiwi Tony Brown are the two contenders for Japan's head coaching role, uh, which is being vacated by Jamie Joseph. Now, Jones told Rugby Australia chairman Hamish McLennan, who rushed him into the Wallabies post, that while well, he had a standing offer from Japan, he was not going to take it. But then reports emerged that he'd held a job interview with Japan just two weeks before the World Cup. Jones has denied this to the media, 
and Rugby Australia Chief Executive Phil War. But notably, he would not offer his alliance uh, to allegiance to the Wallabies job in 2024, saying Rugby Australia also had a choice to sack him. Yet everyone keeps hearing that Jones is heading to Japan. Look, uh, who knows where how this is going to play out. But it is a very odd story. The big story of Rugby Union this year, the three big stories, was Eddie Jones rejoining the Wallabies, Joseph Suali'i going from Rugby League to Rugby Union in 2025, and the disappointment of their campaign at the World Cup, and the Eddie Jones Japan story. You'd have to feel, and I, I don't know if there's games going on behind closed doors. Who knows how this plays out? But there's obviously something going on. And surely the Wallabies want a coach that are, is 100% committed to trying to turn things around with the help of Rugby Australia. Now, maybe Eddie Jones still is that man, but I'm not entirely sure. And it seems to be a huge distraction. And I know the Wallabies aren't playing any games in the near future, but there's still a lot of work to be done on Australian rugby, especially after that World Cup campaign over in France. So... Would you be happy to see Eddie Jones stay? I don't think many people would. I think it needs a complete and utter overhaul. It seems that Eddie will go to Japan anyway. Well, what do you reckon? Would you be happy if Eddie Jones said, yes, I'm not going to Japan, I'm 100% committed? But they still need to look at what has happened over, maybe not even over the past few months in the World Cup, but probably over the past, well, a few years. More than a few years. What do you reckon? Eddie Jones, does he stay? Does he go? Do you want him to stay? Would you rather see someone fresh in there? one 1170 or 0457 736 736. All part of our Makita Power Play this morning, the Makita XGT Experience Professional Cordless Power Without Limits. So the cricket, did you watch it? We'll talk to Paul Dennett shortly about it. What happens to Australia now? Two losses to India and South Africa. What are you most looking forward to? What are you going to be watching over the weekend? What's going to be the headline come Monday morning? Michael Maguire, you happy with him being coach of New South Wales? And do you think he can juggle New South Wales and New Zealand? Eddie Jones, should he be staying at the Wallabies? Do you want him to stay at the Wallabies? Or do you think it needs a complete recharge? And also, should we be changing the rules with international football where players just have to pick one country and stick with it? Plenty for you to get your teeth stuck into on this Friday morning. We'll get to your texts in a second. Plus, we'll chat a bit of football with John Gallo on the other side of this. Uh, yes, having fun on this Friday morning, 23 minutes past five, 23 past four in Queensland. If you're just waking up, switching the radio on Australia, pretty convincingly beaten in the cricket by 134 runs. We'll have a chat with Paul Dennett shortly about all of that. Just a text before we get to John Gallo to talk a bit of football. Uh, Mike says, uh, Ray Maguire's coaching record, Michael Maguire's coaching record with New Zealand. Wikipedia indicates Maguire has coached New Zealand 15 times for 10 wins and is currently the country's most successful coach ever on a win-loss basis. Madge coached Wigan and South to premiership wins. Probably the best available coach who can focus on the Blues job without having to juggle an NRL coaching job as well. Mark, I, I, I agree with you. I think he's a good choice. And I, I, as I said, uh, just before we get to John at the top of the show, I don't see a huge issue with him juggling, if he wants to, New South Wales and New Zealand. They're at completely different times of the year. New Zealand at this part of the year, over the next month, um, and that would be the f pattern you'd imagine, the format for years ahead. New South Wales from, he could focus for, on New South Wales from November to July um, and still, sure, would keep an eye on things post that. 
I don't have a huge issue with it. What about you? 0457 736736. Time to talk a little bit of football. Now on Tradies News, it's time for the latest in football. And on the line is John Gallo. Morning to you, John. Morning to you, Dan. How are we? Uh, I am very, very well. A lot to get through this morning. The cricket, a lot of rugby league news around. Now, there's no EPL coming up this weekend, which is always disappointing because we love a bit of EPL on the weekend. Of course, next this time next week, we'll be talking to you about the start of the A-League season as well after Sydney FC won the Australia Cup last Saturday. But we do have the Socceroos in action and a pretty special occasion for the Socceroos flying over to the UK, playing at Wembley tomorrow morning, 5.45, 4.45, in Queensland. Yeah, a, uh, a friendly, the first of two friendlies, obviously England up next tomorrow morning at 5.45am, so catch that early before you go uh, for a Saturday adventure, that's for sure, but uh, and the next uh, coming days we'll be playing New Zealand as well, the All Whites, shortly after that in another international friendly. Uh, look, I mean, this game's going to be important for both sides, really, I think Australia and, and England, the football side of things, Australia will be trying to rehash those 2003 memories when uh, you know, we went over to, to England with likes of Harry Kuehl, Mark Baduka, Bresciano at that time and uh, were able to beat England 2-1, a star-studded England, an England team with David Beckham, Wayne Rooney, Paul Scholes and the like. I do expect England to, uh, to feature the similar big names in this one. I think uh, Southgate won't be pulling any punches. Simply for England, uh, in a couple of days' time, shortly after they play the Socceroos, they have a, a Euro qualifier game against Italy, uh, which is going to be very, very important for the qualifiers. Uh, they have to make sure they want to qualify for that and put their best foot forward against the Socceroos. So although it's an international friendly, obviously there's rivalry there, big rivalry across all sports between the motherland of England. Uh, but I think it's also going to be a big step up for Gareth Southgate because we're talking about a man who's been under some pressure for some time in the England job. So he'll have a point to prove as well. And Australia then do take on New Zealand on Wednesday at 5.45am as well. But we'll talk more about that next week when we speak to you. Now, speaking of Australia and the World well, not the World Cup because these teams, definitely Australia and England, uh, would feature in the World Cup. Chances of Australia getting the World Cup. There's been a bit of news around over the past week about the 2034 World Cup. There is a slight possibility they'll be looking at this area. Now, it seems like Saudi Arabia are the front runners to get this World Cup. And the deadline, as I mentioned, John, on the show yesterday is actually the 31st of October. Uh, So it's not long to get your bids in. There was a story circling yesterday that Indonesia might be supporting Australia's bid. Realistically, though, um, and it would be a shame if the answer is no, but I think the answer is probably going to be no that you give us. On the back of what we did in Australia the past, what, two or three months ago with the Women's World Cup, God, it will be good to get a Men's World Cup down here, but I'm still not overly confident. Well, yeah, that's right. I mean, I think we put on such a great show with the Women's World Cup that I think we displayed to, obviously, FIFA and, and the rest of the world that when it comes to, to major sporting tournaments, we uh, we can still host it as good as anyone else in the world. Um, so I think there's a real, you know, there's a real hope there that we can do it um, with the Men's World Cup and bring it over to these shores again uh, and share it possibly with New Zealand, although Indonesia is a front runner if they want to put their bid in, sure. Uh, but I think Australia, you know, mm. from an infrastructure perspective, from a stadium perspective, I think we're set up very, very nicely for it. And I think FIFA can see that from what we've just done with the Women's World Cup. But 
in all fairness, I think, you know, FIFA, they're a funny bunch. Uh, Saudi Arabia are the front runners to get this. That's a funny one, I know, but Saudi Arabia are looking to, to splash the cash again mm. and, uh, and spend billions on their infrastructure, which obviously they've got. They've obviously got a, a pro league now up and running and, uh, and scalping a few English big names as well across from the Premier League and other top leagues in Europe. So we know that they've got the, the money to throw at it. But Saudi Arabia have caused controversy before. They've been obviously hosting the uh, the golf tournaments over in Saudi Arabia, the boxing tournaments with the likes of Tyson Fury and, and the big names um, as well that are coming across from America to fight over there. So we know they've got the money for major events. Uh, and obviously people will say it doesn't come mm. down to money. But I'm sure that that will play some part. I just think from a FIFA perspective, we kind of need to go a little bit away from that a little bit and try and pick someone who uh, who really needs it at this point in time. I think our league needs it from a men's and women's perspective. And I think the, uh, the Australian sporting landscape would really do with you know a bolster like the FIFA World Cup coming to the Australian shores. And I'm pretty sure the codes NRL and AFL would be quite happy for that year just to work things around that. And maybe they would probably have to post- postpone the season or not postpone, but stop the season, uh, suspend the season for a little while, but it could all work out. It'd be great to see. I don't know if it'll happen, but it would be great to see. Now, uh, you have just mentioned to me off air that the Euros in 2028 are going to be over in the UK. Now, that works well for me because I like to go to the UK, as long as there's not another pandemic, every two years. So I went last year, 2022, hoping next year, 2024, year after that, 2026, year after that, 2028. John, I think me and you are off to the Euros. Absolutely, book it in along with a, a trip to Vegas to watch your <laughs> beloved Roosters. Uh, but yes, look, Euro 2028 was a bit late for that, to win I that think. argument. There. Yeah, I'm still trying to win that argument with uh, you know who. Mm. But uh, yeah, look, good luck. Euro 2028. Yeah, yeah. can't like even get, other arguments. Can't even get you to the rocks. Anyway, yes, go on. <laughs> yeah, it's very true. Yes, yeah, so, so UK and Ireland is is where it's going to be at. Euro 2028 across five countries. You say, where's the five, John? It's England, Scotland, Wales. They've obviously differentiated between Northern Ireland and the Republic of Ireland because that's, unfortunately, the world that we live in. But, uh, yeah, look, I mean, Euros 2028, what a time it will be to be over in the UK. Fantastic. And Ireland, of course. Uh, and I think it's going to be a, a wonderful tournament, as always. But, yes, uh, I'd get my tickets booked soon, Dan, for the Euro well, 2028 because that would be some adventure, that's for sure. I would love to be able to book tickets soon, but from someone that's just been recently searching, you can actually only book flights nine or ten months in advance. So you'll probably have to wait until about the middle of 2027 to book your tickets. So that is a long time for you to win your argument as well about that. So <laughs> I wish you... Long time uh, to check. Check the calendar as well, isn't it? Check, so, the, yeah. check the calendar. Check the calendar. Check the calendar. Uh, now, uh, looking forward to that. Now, that'll be good. And I was actually over in the UK a long, long time ago when they were bidding for uh, one of the World Cups. It might have been the one that was just had last year, or one of them anyway. Um, and they were a serious contender for that. It was the same, same uh, bidding as Australia were going for one of the World Cups. And everyone was very disappointed in the UK that they didn't get it. I think... I know what people think about the UK and whatever, but gee, the Euros would be good. A World Cup in the UK would just be absolutely fantastic. Maybe one day we will see that. And just before I let you go, John, yeah. a bit of news about Wayne Rooney as well. He's left. Chris Perkins, my American correspondent, uh, told us earlier on in the week that he left his job in the US. I said to him, I wonder where he's going to be off to next. Well, he's off to Birmingham. Yeah, he's left the uh, the MLS now. He's moved away. He's going back to his homeland in the uh, in the UK in England, and he's now been recently appointed by none other than the uh, Birmingham City owner Tom Brady, the former NFL mm. quarterback for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and, and obviously the New England Patriots. And 
Tom Brady is uh, is going to splash the cash and become an owner of Birmingham City. He said he was really uh, happy to be to be the new manager and he wanted to bring in a winning culture, and that's why uh, Wayne Rooney has been appointed. It's a bit of a strange one because uh, John Euston, the uh, former Birmingham City manager, uh, had taken his side all the way up to sixth spot after 11 games, They're only a couple of points outside the top four, uh, and, uh, and a potential playoff spot was looming. Birmingham, if of course their their form were to continue, only 11 games into the season, so it's still a very early start. But it was a positive start for the former manager. But it comes as a little bit of a surprise uh, that from his sacking and then hiring Wayne Rooney. Wayne Rooney, obviously Derby County, he's got a little bit of a, of a coaching pedigree himself, uh, having coached in the championship before. So I, I suppose that's put him in good stead in terms of Tom Brady's eyes and his selection. But it is a little bit of a strange one. Uh, but we'll wait and see what Wayne Rooney can dish up in the championship. It will be a, a good sight and a good test for him and his management career going forward. Yeah, it's going to be very interesting. And, of course, at the moment, Tottenham leading at the EPL along with Arsenal, and that will resume next weekend. John, great stuff. Socceroos tomorrow morning will be very interesting. We'll have a chat uh, either Monday or Tuesday and wrap up that match and also look ahead to their match against New Zealand middle of next week. And then, of course, the EPL, as I say, back next weekend along with the A-League, which we're all very excited about. John, great stuff. Enjoy your weekend. Absolutely, mate, and catch up, and uh, yes, have a have a lovely uh, Friday, mate. Yes, yes, we will uh, chat a bit later on. Thank you, John. Thank you, mate. John Gallo on the line talking all things football. We'll take a break. On the other side of this, Paul Dennett will wrap up a pretty poor performance by Australia, losing by 134 runs to South Africa overnight. 0457 736 736, our text number, 1300 1170. Any thoughts on the cricket, do let me know. Also, Michael Maguire, do you think he can juggle the New South Wales and New Zealand job? Do you have an issue with it? Mel Meninga has said that we should be changing the laws in terms of eligibility for playing international rugby league. Players should pick one country and stick with it. Do you agree? I I tend to agree with it, especially if we're trying to grow the international game, but you may disagree. Josh Adokar, would you have him at your club? A few rumours going around that uh, things are not all too well at the Bulldogs. And Eddie Jones, does he stay? Does he go? Should he stay? Should he go? Do you want him to go? 0457 736 736 or 1300 Do we do it? All for Red Smoke Alarms. Think redsmokealarms.com.au and Amer Safety, your Australian-owned workwear and PPE provider. It's 21 to 6, 21 to 5. Time to do this for the Makita XGT Experience Professional Cordless Power Without Limits. Now on Tradies News, let's get the latest in cricket. Now, uh, I've got a text that I'll start this little segment off in a second, but I just want to check in on Paul Dennett's welfare, who's on the line. Paul, I got up, my alarm was uh, switched on. I went off at 3.45, um, and I went on Twitter, as usually do, just to check what's making news, wanted to see what happened in the cricket. Saw you tweeting around that time, so uh, you must be lacking a bit of sleep. Good morning to you. <laughs> Yeah, I was getting into a few arguments at that time. Um, it was keeping me awake. Um, uh, look, there's nothing like watching a one-day game when the result's kind of a foregone conclusion for the last two hours. As Australia limped to a very, very bad result. Um, we've won five World Cups. There have been plenty of great moments. Tonight, Last night was not one of them. It's the biggest defeat we've ever had. And I would say it's the second worst um, 
World Cup game we've ever had, only eclipsed by losing to Zimbabwe in 1983. <laughs> well, that, and that certainly says something. I woke up at around midnight and I was listening uh, to it, and then, of course, I switched straight back to SEN. But uh, when they were six down for 80 or 90, I thought, mm, uh, this doesn't sound good. Here's a text that may actually sum up the match, and you can comment on that, on the, and then clearly you watch the match. This is from Bondi Jack. He says, Dan... That rabble was a stain on the nation and reflects on the clueless coach. Again, a finger spinner short. The short garbage Cummins and Josh Hazelwood dished up was pathetic. Their catching is diabolical. Uh, Maxi and Stark are the only ones uh, worth it. Marsh is abject and isn't watching the ball. That from Bondo Jack, uh, Jack. Harsh, but is it fair, Paul? Oh, I think it's going to be very in common with uh, what a lot of people are saying. It's... Uh this is going to cause uh, significant um, criticism and controversy for the Australian side. It was a, a really very, very disappointing outcome. Um, you know, I suppose to, to give them some positives to begin with, I've got to come clean and say I got it wrong saying in the lead-up that it was the, the that bowling first was the right option. It turns out it's very hard to p- predict the conditions in India. Um, even the South African commentators did acknowledge that it was much harder batting uh, under lights than it had been for the South Africans. So there's no excuse there, but it was... When you look at someone like as skillful as Marnus Labashain scoring at a, a run rate, a strike rate of not much more than um, 50 runs per ball in a one-dayer, and he was doing everything he could, uh, it was very, very difficult uh, in, in, in batting. Eventually, the, the dew that I kept on going about did come in, but it was after 25 overs. I remember them saying, you know, the dews arrived. Yeah, it's a little bit late um, <laughs> for, for us to be um, recovering here, but um, the, the fielding is also going to be a talking point. That six drop catches, I'd say uh, yeah. two of them were two of the simplest catches you'll ever see. Um, and the other four, they're kind of like, you know, 50-50 chances. So you'd probably say normally Australia would get two of them, would have caught the two sitters. So that was particularly disappointing. Um, and uh, look, the other thing is that we, we can talk about it, that, yeah. that um, Glenn Maxwell was the star bowler. And uh, to... to to your text uh, from from, bond, from uh, Bondi, I forgot his name. Bondi, Bondi Jack. Um, Jack. Um, another finger spinner would have been definitely very helpful. Yeah, and just on the six drop catches before we get to Adam Zampa and Glenn Maxwell in terms of the bowling performances, that's very unusual for an Australian cricket team because we know, and for many many years in many different eras, that they pride themselves on their fielding. Now, clearly, every team is going to drop a catch here and there, but six drop catches in one match, that is, that's really bad. Yeah, it is. Um, and there's no two ways about it. And the last two, Stark and Stoinis both dropped um, balls that sort of lobbed up to them. They, they would catch them um, 99 times out of 100. It was an absolute shock when they both dropped them. You, you're almost wondering, is there something wrong with the light? I, I don't know. But um, a couple of the others, Inglis... Um, who was brought into the side mm-hmm. to replace Carey? Um, his first action was to uh, was to drop a catch off Zampa, which um, you know was the, the sort of thing that Zampa's bowling he could have used that wicket. It was, it was a tough one. That was a fair bit of deviation. And there are a couple on the boundary where uh, one that Sean Abbott did really well to get, and all he had to do was do that modern thing of throwing it into um, the his fielder nearby him, and he managed to throw it about five metres away from him. It was, it was a difficult one in, in, in he was off balance. So. Yeah, I mean, there's not much, no real excuses. Hopefully it's an aberration.
Yeah, hopefully. That was very disappointing. Uh, we'll get to the English Stoinis inclusions in a second, but Adam Zampa, his performance in this match, because you just said there a couple of minutes ago, Glenn Maxwell, who is not, he's a part-time bowler, but he's not known as a front-line spinner where Adam Zampa is, but Glenn Maxwell, the pick of the bowlers, especially out of those two. It's a strange moment when... I was watching the overs that Maxwell had left, and when I realised that he bowled his last, I was like, oh, no, I wish, I wish we could have two Glenn Maxwell bowling. Um, <laughs> that's, that's how well he bowled. To be fair to Zampa, I, I thought he bowled quite well early on, mm. and it was just towards the end that they collared him a little bit. Yeah, you know, he went for about 70-odd, which in modern one-day cricket is not, um, you know, back when I was younger, that was an atrocious set of figures, but um, wasn't so bad. I mean, Cummins got hit around a bit as well. No one really other than Maxwell bowled um, especially brilliantly. However... It did at the halfway point look to me like Australia had done reasonably well because South Africa looked poised for anything. And then mm. the, there were two key wickets, Klassen um, and Markram, who can both score faster than almost anyone, were, were both dismissed. And South Africa sort of, they lost a bit of impetus. And even at the innings break, Glenn Max was saying that he thought that they were going to get um, 30 or 40 more than they did. So Australia went into the innings break um, feeling quite buoyed about things. Uh, but then when they came out, um, the ball was just moving everywhere and it was very, very difficult. Now, explain the inclusion of Josh Inglis. And Stornis is probably not a surprise. We flagged that yesterday in for Cam Green. Uh, both of them not having great matches, especially Inglis. Yeah, I mean, it was an interesting one because there had been speculation uh, about Carey losing his spot. But usually, uh, you know, the old joke is it's harder to get out of the Australian side than <laughs> into the Australian side. I expected that they would give him more than just one game. Mm. Um, and there's been rumours about has he been suffering from the the blowback from the Johnny Bairstow uh, incident where, you know, the, uh, Kerry seems like the nicest guy in the world to suddenly have half of England um, calling for his head and everything else mustn't have been much fun. And um, you could see how that could put someone into their shell. Whether that's true or not, I mean, it's just total speculation. Mm. But, yeah, they made the decision uh, very promptly. But, unfortunately, Inglis, as I said, dropped that catch and then, uh, got clean bowled from a ball that it deviated slightly, uh, but um, he kind of just played it all around a straight one pretty much. So, yep, pretty poor. And then Stoinis, as you say, uh, was expected to come in for green, um, but uh, he didn't do any good with the bat, although he's the one, I think, that was um, um, the, the controversy is going to be. He got given out, caught down the leg side, and... Mm. Richard Kettlebury, the third umpire, I think made a mistake, um, which is very rare for him. But he made the decision based on saying that, yes, although the ball hit his glove and although his glove was not touching the bat, which would mean it's not out, his glove was touching the other glove and therefore uh, it is out. But it wasn't touching the other glove. I looked up the laws. It doesn't even matter if it's touching the other glove unless I'm missing something. But it seemed that they just made a, a really poor decision there. Yeah. And I can hear South African listeners saying, it didn't yeah. matter, you guys were losing anyway. Um, but... The Australians, when the Jew did come in, uh, Labashain and um, Stark put together a really nice partnership in difficult circumstances. And they got to the point where they were about to start throwing the bat and you never you never knew and it didn't eventuate. Had Stoinis been in a little bit longer, um, I don't think we would have won, but might have got a bit closer. Yeah, yeah, very interesting. And it doesn't get a lot easier here. They have a couple of days break and then they play on Monday night against Sri Lanka and we'll have a chat a couple of times next week. But... It's getting tougher. Look, they will have, you'd expect, a couple of easier games, obviously, because they play each other uh, once right throughout the tournament. But they still have the likes of Sri Lanka on Monday, England and New Zealand to get through. So it's a hard task from here for Australia. I mean, you look at the table and you just feel a bit sick if you're an Australian fan <laughs> because 
you, you, there are four teams that are already on four points with Australia on zero. England is not one of those teams. They're on two points. And so you, you've got to bank on them having a very strong um, rest of the tournament. And the other thing is Australia's currently below the Netherlands on net run rate. Uh, net, so we're negative 1.85 is our net run rate. You could almost say uh, not only we're on zero, we're kind of on negative a half because if we do finish level with one of the big sides, at this stage you would assume that our net run rate's going to mean that we, that we finish lower than them. The one good thing is I, um, I had a look at the betting. The punters are usually fairly um, uh, cold-hearted about this. And I was expecting to see Australia out the gate. But Australia's still only paying about $9. So I think the realisation is that, as you said, we are going to get some, quote-unquote, simpler games against, say, Netherlands, Bangladesh and Afghanistan. Mm. And some of the wins that those other sides have had have been against some of those sides. So we're almost at the point of 1999 where Australia had to basically go through the rest of the World Cup um, undefeated after a few early losses where we're getting close to that point um, where, I mean, it's still theoretically possible that Australia could make it even if we lose another game, but then you'd start to to get pretty nervous. Um, So Sri Lanka next and then Pakistan after that. Mm. So yeah, it doesn't get any easier in the short term. Hard work for this Australian cricket team. As I let you go, Matt has texted since saying, and this might might be the flavour of the text and uh, social media over the next 48 24, 48 hours. Uh, the Aussie cricketers look completely void of any passion and grit. He also says soft snowflakes with no passion. So there you go. Australia will need to turn things around pretty quickly. Paul, great stuff. We'll have a chat a couple of times next week and let's hope Australia can turn things around pretty quickly. Yeah, I think Australia's uh, players should stay off Twitter for the next couple of days. <laughs> Good I, on you, mate. I think that would be a very, very wise idea. Thanks, mate. We'll chat next week. See ya. Paul Dennett on the line talking all things cricket. That was from the Makita XGT, the professional choice for cordless convenience, unmatched performance, innovation and power without limits. We'll take a break, come back and wrap things up. It's 10 to 6 in New South Wales, 10 to 4. Uh, five and a half to six, five and a half to five in Queensland. Uh, don't forget Beaumont Tiles is giving a trip for two to American footy's biggest game worth over $70,000. Just shop in store at Beaumont's before November 12 and you're in with a chance. T's and C's apply. Uh, text to finish the show. Matt from Hunters Hill says in 1999, we won the World Cup cricket and rugby. Now, 24 years later, we look like we won't make the knockout stage in both. Yep, very true. And Mike has made a good point saying it's if Eddie Jones quits as Australian Rugby Union coach, Brad Thorne would be his choice as his replacement coach. The Queensland Reds to the 2021 Super Rugby title after coaching them to the runners-up in 2020 and, of course, has been involved in both Rugby League and Rugby Union. Thank you, Mike. Good text. Thank you for your company today. Thank you for your company this week. Been fun. I'll be back with you Monday morning. Breakfast coming up with Fossey and Brandy for our Queensland listeners. You'll get the first hour of them. Them Patton Heels along at 6 a.m. local time. Have a great week. Weekend. I'll see you Monday morning.